nobody wants to buy sales tools. Everyone says, oh, we already have a full stack. Our budget's frozen. So what we say is we sell a buying enablement tool and it immediately opens up the mind of our prospects to being, oh, okay, I can see that. Yeah, I want to invest in tools to help the buyer. But I think everybody can do that. If you can recategorize which budget you come into to be a, we're not a, a tool for your team. We're a tool for your customers. Everybody wants to help their customers. So if you can find a way of putting your budget, your cost into a different area, that's going to be harder. If you're selling HR software, that might be harder. But in any way, if you're selling something that could be considered an enablement tool, don't think of it as enabling your immediate customer. Think of it as enabling their buyer. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Sales Enablement Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Paul. Now, that was Tom Williams. Tom's the CEO of DealPoint. You know how everyone in the world is talking about how sales is changing, or has changed, due in large part to the forced migration of sellers to a virtual work-from-anywhere environment. And, you know, we've touched on that a time or two here on the show. Well, my guest today, Tom Williams, says, well, that's all well and good, but shouldn't we be spending more time paying attention to how buying behaviors have changed as a result of work from anywhere? And that's the topic we jump into today. What is the impact on the buying group, the stakeholders, if that informal collaboration that existed in the office is gone? And how does that affect each stage of the buying process? Well, we'll dig into how these changes in buying behaviors impact how you should sell. And for instance, how does this alter how you should make presentations to stakeholders and how you should follow up with stakeholders? Lots of very practical sales ideas for you to think about in this episode. But before we get to Tom, I want to remind you to subscribe to this podcast, wherever you listen to it. And if you subscribe, we'd certainly appreciate it if you could give us your feedback about how we're doing in the form of a review. Thanks. All right, let's jump into it. Tom Williams, welcome back to the show. Hello, sir. Very nice to be on here. Thanks for having me. It's nice to have you back. So where have you been sheltering in place? I am in the secret, hidden, underground location of DealPoint headquarters. Uh, <laughs> which, one, is not where, uh, which is not where it used to be, I believe. No, no. We used to have this, it was a gorgeous office where we were wall to, wall to ceiling windows, uh, an atrium, plants, the works. And uh, the irony here is that, so myself and my co-founder, we have families. So we're both in our respective basements. Uh, our team is on the younger side, so they're all chilling on patios at their houses, I suspect drinking margaritas. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we're, we're going crazy because uh, we're underground. So you're saying they're they're at mom and dad's house or they're at their own house? No, they're, they're at their own houses. They, okay. you know, they're not that young. They, <laughs> okay. They're in their, in their 20s and um, a couple of 30-somethings. But yeah, they've got their apartments and they've got a patio on the apartment. And yeah, it looks nice. looks real nice. Now, before we start recording this, we were looking at each other on Zoom, and and you have quite a collection of guitars on your wall. So, you said that you used to be a rock star. I, I used to be a, a rock star in waiting. How about that? <laughs> a rock star in your own mind. Yes, yeah. I got paid for at least one gig, but I think it was at a pub in England, and I do remember the the 
the the landlord looked resentful as he gave me the 40 pounds. <laughs> All right, so yeah. what type of music did you play? Uh, so I have two different styles. I can play nice, singy, happy, lots of harmonies, acoustic guitar. Ballads. Or I can, uh, yeah, ballads, yeah. Or I can uh, get all angsty and turn the drum machine on and grunt. So oh. it, it really depends what kind of day you catch me on. But I Got do it. feel more cathartically cleared after the grunting than <laughs> after the, the happy singing. Okay, so it could either be Coldplay or it could be the Sex Pistols. Yes, as a matter of fact, yeah, you, you absolutely nailed it, yeah. All right, perfect. That's a good range. Well, yeah, you know, it all, uh, humans are like that. There's, there, there's good and bad in everyone, I, I think somebody said. <laughs> <laughs> well, you should be posting this stuff out on LinkedIn, you know, like Gaetano Donardi is, is posting. So he, I, I don't know if I'm giving away any secrets here, but he has a secret uh, Facebook group for musicians who also do sales. Oh, really? Yeah, you may be giving that away. I, uh, but, maybe sorry about that. <laughs> all right, but I want to. I, so I want to see a Tom Williams music video on LinkedIn. You know, we, well, we have been talking about doing a company song because I used to work in international sales, and I loved it when the Korean companies would right. raise up the flag and they would do calisthenics and they would all sing together in the morning. Right? So, yeah, in the morning. Yeah. Unfortunately, my co-founder is from East Germany, so he kind of frowns on the <laughs> early morning flag salutes. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, probably, probably dredges up bad memories for him. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. Uh, so, um, well, you know, one of the things we we're going to talk about today is, uh, you know, we're trying not to focus on <laughs> the pandemic. I mean, it's hard to avoid. But uh, it has brought about some changes in buying behaviors that you know may not be temporary, maybe longer lasting than we think. And and you'd raised some of these questions uh, when we spoke previously. I thought it'd be interesting to get into that. So, just generally, what was our start? Is is how are you seeing uh, sort of buying from home affecting buyer behavior? I mean, there are some really interesting aspects of it. Um, the the big one is that they don't have an organizational structure around them. So just think about it. Does your buyer have a printer at home? Because if you just sent them a proposal or a deck or something, I bet you, you know, a lot of the time they'd have printed it out and stuck it on their desk. Uh, maybe they'd have stuck a sticky on it and put it on their boss's desk. But that's gone now. And they also don't have the the political wherewithal of what's happening. So... There are two aspects of that. One, they can't read their boss's body language, which makes it a lot riskier for them to say, I think we should bring this vendor in. Mm -hmm. And two, a, a lot of decision-making uh, consensus building is not done in formal meetings. It's done in the lunchroom or it's done in the parking lot when, everyone, right. when they're having a cigarette. And, and that's gone as well. Yeah, which, I mean, you just think about that from a, the sales perspective then is is you can still be thinking you're doing a good job touching bases with the stakeholders and trying to move them forward but the fact is that the potential exists as you describe is is yeah they haven't coalesced on their side yeah it's it's a lot harder to build that consensus it's a lot harder for them to get your intel because oftentimes your champion will tell you well bobs you know, Bob's really against this and you can kind of work on them uh, through side channels. 
So that's just a lot harder. But I think also the the as a friend of mine, Jeanette Renshaw, she had a point that normally when you do it, so you're either you're in person or you are doing a Zoom call into a company, you're zooming into their conference room and then you do your whole spiel. And then after you hang up, they say, so what do you think? And they're talking about you as all top of mind mm-hmm. and probably a fair amount of the decision is made you know, right there at that point. But Jeanette's point was uh, now that that everyone's joining my Zoom from their respective houses. When I hang up the Zoom, everybody gets hung up on. And so they go back to whatever they were doing and they don't have that critical moment of of coalescence and you know, mind group mind share being unified that they would normally have in their conference. So you need to be really mindful of that. So what Jeanette does is, and I think this is genius, she hands out a little cheat sheet in advance. So she emails them out uh, an evaluation sheet of here's what I'm going to be talking about and here's a way for you guys to organize it. And so in a sense, she's creating a, a summary matrix for them, which first of all, completely locks out the competition because now she's controlling the the dialogue and the the next steps. The I, I just love it because she's actually calling it out. She's like, you guys aren't going to be able to talk about this afterwards. So here's here's a place for you to capture your notes so that you can uh, collaborate later. Yeah, I mean, she's, so she's giving, it's basically a form of a meeting agenda, but more detailed perhaps in terms of very, being very specific about what you're going to discuss and what the next steps are. Well, yeah, and, and she calls out that the next step is for you guys to talk about this after I'm gone because you won't have a chance to do it uh, in the conference room. So I, I love that she's calling it out and helping the buyer realize that there's going to have to be a change in behavior if they if they want to get to where they want to be. All right. So one thing that just sprung to mind is that... I love that idea. Uh, Janelle, you said? Uh, Jeanette. Jeanette Renshaw. Renshaw. Is to add to that, is to say, to the point you made, is so don't do it on your Zoom. Have the buyer do it on their Zoom. And then she could have on her, she could have on her, her cheat sheet. The last point was I'll hang up first and you guys have the opportunity to discuss this amongst yourselves. I love that. Yeah, uh, Andy, take the rest of the day off. I think you. <laughs> okay. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks for everybody. Today, great folks. We're, we're out of here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> mic drop. Yeah, that's right, mic drop. <laughs> but that seems like that would work, right? Yeah. Um, it, it often. So, so the only concern I'd have there is that you know you hate to ask somebody to do work. So I don't. Sure. I, I don't like asking people. Can you call me, please? Uh, I always you know try to get their phone number, but I, it is a little bit different because. It's like you're visit. It's like you're visiting their office, right? But she's going to spell out why she's doing it, right? Yeah. Because I want to make right, sure yeah. you have the opportunity to discuss it right afterwards, so that you know everybody's fresh. They're not going to say no. They're going to say, "Well, that sounds like a good idea." Yeah, <laughs> and, I know. I love it. Absolutely love it. Okay, Jeanette, if you're listening, you can you can bump up your game right there. There you go. Well, Jeanette, we'll have to bring you on the conversation and and talk through that because that's I love her her idea. That's a great idea in this world is to do that type of thing. Just don't go into it cold or not even cold even when you set mm-hmm. expectations if you've just done it verbally it's no let's let's give them this cheat sheet i think that's a fantastic idea well and i think actually it applies at a at a longer term as well that having a a plan and a process will give them some security because they don't have that printer at the office they don't have the the political at their home office right yeah where yeah the home yeah yeah 
um, they don't have the political awareness of the team. So having more structure, I think, is more important than ever. Uh, you used to be able to go over there and you know truly be charming. You could take him out for drinks, you could mm-hmm. have dinner, you could make your case uh, with a lot more reliance on personal rapport. Uh, yeah, and you have a fantastic radio voice, so people listen to you all day long. Uh, <laughs> but it's it's different than being there in person. Oh, absolutely. So I think I think a, a key step is to have a well well written support materials that are going to be shared because they're not going to be able to get your body language or listen to you as often. They're not going to be able to share that kind of uh, perspective. So having well-written materials, uh, cloud-native sales tools so that they can share stuff because they're not going to print it out. Right. And and a strong plan so that they feel more in control and, and less chaotic. Yeah, I think that this, I mean, this is not, Something that's specific to you know this work from home period. This is anything from a virtual sales standpoint, which is increasingly what we're doing or have been doing anyway. Mm-hmm. Is yeah, you want to do this? I mean, you could have a situation where even pre-pandemic, where you were doing a Zoom call with multiple stakeholders that could be geographically uh, remote from each other, mm-hmm. and this process that Jeanette's laid out with my addition. I think would be very powerful to use. Yeah, um, you know, I think the big difference is we're we're used to working from home as salespeople. I've, I have conducted many a sales call from many a hotel bed, and mm-hmm. it's, it's totally normal. But the the buyers are are less used to it, and and we are used. To, I, I think you have a good point that the buying team is you six months ago was also somewhat likely to be dispersed. Typically when I was calling in, I was calling into a headquarters in the kind of business I do. So mm-hmm. my decision makers tended to all be at HQ, but there's very much the case that everybody can be remote. So I think a lot of these things apply. It's like, uh, you had Anthony Anarino on the other day mm-hmm. and he said, uh, the right thing to do now is, is always the right thing to do. Right. So very much the, if you follow best practices, then you're probably going to be okay. It just becomes a lot more important during a, a down economy because there's less wiggle room. There's less uh, room for mistakes. Well, but also it gets back to a point that you made before is that if you can make this less work on the part of the buyer, that's going to work to your advantage. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I've been saying this for years to, to sellers is that what is your buyer really trying to do? What's the job they're trying to accomplish? And everybody says when I ask that question, oh, they're you know they're they're trying to get a you know desired outcome out of you know buying this product and service. It's like no, no, no. So let's start more basic. What they're trying to do is trying to quickly gather information to make a good decision with the least investment of time and money possible. Mm-hmm. And this process you've described that helps. That helps, right? I mean, it, it it makes it simpler for them to evaluate what you've been talking about, what the next steps are going to be, how to discuss it amongst themselves, what they should mm-hmm. be discussing amongst themselves. That saves them time and money, and that has value to a buyer. Well, and also um, putting a putting a, a roadmap in front of them also mm-hmm. boosts your um, your expertise and credibility, your yep. trust level. Yeah, your yep. credibility goes through the roof because. It shows, oh, this guy's done this before. This isn't a whole new world for him. He's he's fielded this question before. So 
by being able to offer that that infrastructure and that roadmap to their you know the solution to their problem you're again making it easier for them and ideally you're making it so easy that they don't need to go to the competition because you're spelling out a path from here all the way to the end of their end of their problem which is yep. what ultimately you know they're looking for that less work thing they're looking for someone just just solve my problem jeez let me get back to work right but i i come from the school of thought that based on research that other people have done, Nobel Prize winners and so on, is that people want to make a good decision in most parts. They're not out most of it, most of your customers aren't trying to make the best decision. Mm-hmm. You know, Herbert Simon talked about satisficers and maximizers. Yeah, most people are satisficers. They want to <laughs> they want to do what they need to do to satisfy that they can meet their requirements and achieve their outcomes. And beyond that, I've got everything I need to to make the decision. So, to your point, is is one thing you should be thinking about when you're selling is how can I reduce the buyer's motivation to go talk to a competitor? And when you lay out the roadmap, when you're complete, um, you start doing that. So, and more more in a down economy than any other time, I think part of that matrix is risk reduction. So I don't think you can I don't think you can overemphasize risk reduction right now. They have they have this job. Uh, I I was I was thinking about this the other day. So if you're selling a solution, you're you're literally selling change. Mm-hmm. At the same time, if in a down economy and you just you just I just want to keep my job. I don't want to lose my job. I don't want to stick my head out. Uh, I don't want to make a big fuss. I don't want to change anything. So you're literally I don't want risk. You're literally, as a salesperson, asking your buyer to do the thing they least want to do, which is change something, because they just they don't want to be a squeaky wheel or muddy the waters or any right. of that. The least, the thing they least want to do is be exposed to risk, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. So what you have to do is you have to say, actually, doing nothing is the risky thing, mm-hmm. and you have this objective and priority. And of course, the hard part is finding out what their priority is. What are they really focused on? Why did they not get? Why did they not get let go last month? What are they doing that's so crucial, and how can you help them do that better? Once once you found that out, either through research or by asking them, then you want to be able to show that, that I'm I'm the safe path to your continued success. Not doing anything has the following risks. Doing this action in a in a really discrete set of safe motions is the safe thing to do. Now you, you've provided them both with the information they need to solve their problem and a reduction of risk. And, and the cool thing where you can push the competitors out is if you identify their objections up front and say, well, we've thought of that, then they're not going to need to go elsewhere because you've, you've, you can address all their concerns in the roadmap. Yeah, no, I, I agree. So we're sort of talking about yeah, how do you how do you identify opportunities, sales opportunities in a downturn, and also looking from the buyer's perspective is, is how can you help a buyer make necessary change during during a downturn, right? And I, mm-hmm. I think that that sellers want to throw up their hands and say, yeah, yeah, things are tough out there. I just yeah, there's nothing we can do, which is the age old excuse and. Yeah, yeah, some things are going to change and have changed, but there are opportunities. To your point, is you know sometimes there are challenges, there are things that need to be changed that just can't wait. But oftentimes they're 
what I find is they're oftentimes hidden in bigger projects that the vendor was, or not the vendor, the customer was, was exploring prior to you know, the shutdown or prior to the recession hitting. But in there, to your point, is this person, this person you're talking to, this buyer, they're responsible for something that may be the specific pain point that absolutely needs to be resolved. It can't wait. Oh, you, you might have an insight too. Uh, you know, everything has changed right now. So, so my insight, the thing that uh, a deal point that the change is that everybody's working from home, and so we you know, we thought real hard. We we stopped talking about proactive disqualification because mm-hmm. people aren't really disqualifying as often as they used to, and and we've changed our tack. Uh, every seller should be doing that too. And I, I I personally am really not on the. I really don't like the COVID, I call them COVID carpet baggers, right. where I just I have a, I have a ethical miss um miss um i don't like it i don't like it well, well uh, but, yeah but, it comes down what comes down to this yeah let me as i talked about this let me show you how empathetic i am right that's the general the general turn turn events for most sellers is now it's like they've been told they gotta be gotta be empathetic you uh, gotta demonstrate your empathy <laughs> i'm sure the people on the receiving end of sales calls are like oi <laughs> yeah, if I, if I know you, I'm happy to hear. You know, I'm happy to. Hear. But but what is definitely happening, and I think it is perfectly reasonable to talk about, is a down economy because we definitely have a quarter, two quarters, three quarters of not roaring growth, mm-hmm. and so presumably you're calling into a specific industry, and so you've done your research and you know some of the trends that are going to happen. So how does your solution help with those trends? And that's a call that they're looking for because they're wondering how do we deal with this change as well. So the fact is that whether they like change or not, changes are coming. And if you can help them weather that storm, that's a message that you know I would listen to. When I when I'm taking calls, I'm listening to not I hope you're shelter you know, I hope you're doing okay to I bet the following is happening in your industry. Uh have you thought about this way to fix it? Yeah. And I, I think from a I look at it just from the perspective of it's over the next few months, it's going to be less about transformation and more about change. You know, if I can distinguish, you know, change being more, as you point before, more focused, more discrete, transformation being something that touches every part of the organization. Yeah, more evolutionary. Yeah. And, and what you're looking for is change. You know, there's things that need to change that are, you know, aligned with the strategic imperatives of the organization. And you can identify something that will have a relatively quick payback i call it speed to outcome and mm-hmm. to your point is it's that's perceived as being uh less risky going forward and mitigating risk by staying in place yeah yeah and, and showing showing what the costs are of not change i think right opportunity cost and uh, inertia yeah everyone every customer every salesperson i've ever talked to when you say who's their biggest competitor it's do nothing so you got to show that that do nothing competitor is real risky right now, uh, and that they better change because the environment has changed. So they better evolve along with it, because uh, we all know what happens when the environment changes and you don't evolve. Yeah, well, it's interesting you talk about. You know, salespeople say that's their biggest competitor doing nothing, but you know, fundamentally, if somebody has a need, they decide to do nothing. It's a sales failure to be able to present a compelling vision for why they ch- should change. And that's always the hardest part. You know, it's 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 so easy as a as a counselor or a consultant to say, well, first of all, you just find the compelling event, and then what you do is, and it's 
I I find that the hardest part is to is to nail down a thing, especially with a date. You can find a a, a raw motion or an objective relatively easily. And I I call into salespeople, so salespeople ha- are happy to talk. I used to not call into salespeople, and it was harder. But still, it, it it is difficult to actually stick an actual date on a compelling event. Once you got that, then it's easy to work back from where we have to do X, Y, and Z to get there, and you're you're off to the races. Uh, I'd ask you, Andy, how, how what are some of your techniques for nailing down a compelling event, and have have those techniques changed in in a time of in a time of change? It's more about it wasn't a compelling event as compelling vision, right? So, so okay. what's, what's it gonna, what's it gonna be like? Cause you sort of start with that story. That's this mm-hmm. customer story, right? It's, I want to build a story so that they see themselves in that story as sort of a before and an after. Yeah. yeah I can't yeah. create that vision that they picture themselves, you know, taking this mental test drive of the solution that I'm, that I'm trying to help them adopt then yeah that's what i was talking about if i can't get them to put themselves into the picture frame it's you're never going to get change especially in a a down economy or a time when times are tough and people are are more risk averse than they might be otherwise but that's that's where we start and then the second thing is for me is always is is i want to get them to the point where they actually quantify you know what what the value of the outcome is that we're proposing, right? That we're that we're trying yeah. to help them adopt, and until they actually quantify it, to me, it's it's never real. Yeah, you got to put some dollars on it, and and then actually you have your compelling event because you can say, well, if we don't do it next quarter, then you lose fifty thousand dollars. Right, and this is they can't get internal agreement. I mean, you're not going to get the executive team or the buying team to all stand up and salute this, or a buying team to make a recommendation to a CEO to approve. If you can't quantify what the value is going to be of the outcome that you're going to achieve, and so if you haven't gotten to that point, for me that's that's always the the mark. I know if I can't if I can't get the buyer to take that step and help them do that, but get to that step, and it's not just you know ROI calculations. You know everybody brings their calculators and so on, but it's it's something that they have to buy into internally, right? Yeah, there needs to, there needs to be an emotional vision in it as well. Then with yes. some dollar signs behind it. Right. So the emotional vision with dollar signs behind it, if you get to that point, then chances are they're going to move forward. Well, and actually that that is the cool part about a time of change because you now you can come in as an expert and you can say, hey man, there is a, there is a time of change in this next couple quarters. Many people are not going to go back to the office, for example. I think there's, there's going to be a, a change in retail, for example. But there's going to be change that touches. Like I used to work in the audio test business, and and those guys are having just a world of difference because the labs are less populated than they used to be. The audio engineers right. are doing a lot of work at home. So, uh, great opportunity for more less expensive audio analyzers. Yep. Tougher opportunity for the super expensive ones that tend to live in a lab. Uh, but you have this chance now to present this time of change as a catalyst to that new vision. So here's something that's changing, but here here's how you could ride that wave and right. it would be worth $100,000 a day based on my calculations and based on what I know. Why don't we dive into that a little bit and see what you could make of this wave? I would take that call. 
In fact, I'm changing my pitch right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm writing this down. I'm, I'm changing the pitch. My SDR, right. you, you'll be hearing you'll be hearing different things from the SDR team later on this okay. week. All right, good. I can. will have them have them reach out to me, and we'll I'll I'll judge it. <laughs> see if you can, um, yeah, see if you can buy it. But yeah, well, I think that this is. Uh, you always, I've I'm old enough to have sold through many of these yeah economic turmoils, periods of economic turmoil, and. Customers, yeah, yeah, you're gonna have some companies that are gonna think the only way to approach it is the knee-jerk reaction is let's cut, 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 cut. And so this is the other layer to it as as well as when you're doing your outreach, when you're you need to get a sense pretty quickly of how are they approaching this as a company. You know, if it's a organization that said, look, you know, it's tough, but what we've done is everybody in the company is taking a 20% pay cut in order to preserve jobs. Mm-hmm. I think. Hey, that's a prospect, right? That's somebody that's that's probably open to hearing what I have to say. Yeah, they're thoughtful, and they're thoughtful. They're looking out for the team. They're they're preserving their resources to be able to grow as quickly as possible once things mm-hmm. you know start improving. Whereas if you're calling into a company that's yeah, you know, John's not here anymore because he got laid off, and this next level got laid off, and or furloughed, whatever, and then you say, yeah, that's probably not worth your time at that point in time to keep exploring. I do have a technique there. Uh, one of the things that we do that is really successful is so so we sell it. I guess you could in, in the in the horror, in the in the broadest category, it's a sales enablement tool, right? And but but nobody wants to buy sales tools. Everyone says, "Oh, we already have a full stack. Our budget's frozen." So what we say is, we actually we sell a buying enablement tool. And it immediately opens up the mind of our prospects to being, oh, okay, uh, I can see that. Yeah, I, I want to invest in tools to, to help the buyer. But I think everybody can do that. If you can recategorize which budget you come into mm-hmm. to be a, we're not, a, we're not a, a tool for your team, we're a tool for your customers. Everybody wants to help their customers. So if you can, if you can find a way of, putting your your budget, your cost into a different area. Now, it's going to be harder. If you're selling HR software, that might be harder. But if you're <laughs> in, in any way, if you're selling something that could be considered an enablement tool, don't don't think of it as enabling your immediate pre, your immediate customer. Think of it as enabling their buyer. Which which fundamentally is what sales enablement is about. Well, it's supposed to be, yeah. It's supposed yeah. to be. Yes. I mean... You're trying to think about it. we define it as as anything or everything that enables the seller to have knowledge based inter- sales interactions mm-hmm. that that buyers find to be of value. And so, you know, if you're not meeting that bar, what are you doing, right? So you should be able to say, yeah, what we're doing is is uh, enabling our buyer, helping our buyer make a change. Make a decision to make a change. I think more than anything, if you can, if you can try to redefine a category in a, in a, in a, you might get an automatic no if they're able to box you in real quick. Mm-hmm. So if you're able to spark their curiosity and and be in a different bucket, yep. then you you might be better off. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Well, I mean, this is a time that requires creativity. I mean, time you're, you know, we're in economic crisis is if you haven't looked at shaping, reshaping your messaging 
fine-tuning your messaging, being more precise in the accounts that you're calling on or the types of, of businesses that you're calling on or that are part, you know, comprise your ICP, mm-hmm. you're crazy. Well, and and re- revisiting the research that you'd already done, uh, I, I had my team, so we, you know, we have our ICP, but I had us do a reevaluation of it because some companies are are doing really well. Like uh, the people who are selling the virtual whiteboards, killing mm-hmm. it. Sure. The the people selling holidays, not so hot. Right. And so you can cast a new eye on your ICP and see which of your um, key accounts or, or key target accounts are really still in a growth mode. And but if you just kind of do it ad hoc, then you're you're going to miss something. Take take a whole look at who your account based strategy people are and what your ICP is in light of that. Who's going to do well in this thing? And do you, do you maybe go after? Do you go up market a bit because better capitalized companies are less worried about two bad quarters than startups? Startups are, are definitely in a cash hoarding mode right now right. because. They don't have any revenue, so they they really they just got to survive the downturn. But big companies always have to grow. And in fact, big companies are loving it because they're snapping up their little competitors. So the task of, I mean, you should be looking at your ICP regularly anyway. But right now, you should definitely be doing it. Yeah, and I mean, there are some companies out there that you can buy information from that will you know help you identify companies that. Have increased their ad spend, or are spending more oh, on on, on paid on on paid ads, or are hiring still hiring salespeople, for instance. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are sources of information out there. There are companies that sell this information, firmographic information, and so on that that can give you some idea about yeah what their intent is as an organization. Not specifically buying intent, but that information is also available <laughs> that mm-hmm. you can get. Is you know where are people looking online? What sort of you know technologies are they evaluating and so on depending on what you're selling that's there so if anything now is a time as sellers where yeah it may cost a little bit extra but there is that information out there that enable you to more precisely target the people who are still active and forward forward looking well think of this too we've had that we've been having this conversation i've certainly heard from other sales orgs that their their sellers are shrugging their shoulders saying no one's buying. So as sellers, there's a competitive space in the market as well, where if you don't give up, you can grab market share right now and keep your keep your um, talons sharp by right. not giving up and, and by trying new stuff. But the, the people who the people who do well out of this will come out sharper and better. Uh, and those who give up will obviously will not. But, but you can. It's it's a time to think. There's it's a time right. to think really carefully and and be proactive. Don't just react to everything. One thing that we did as a company was we spent some time just uh, game changing, you know, game playing. What could happen? Now we did not predict. We did not predict everything. We we definitely missed a couple of key events. Um, but at least you know I found even the even the exercise of of scenario playing helped calm both my nerves as a as a leader and helped calm my team uh, and reduce that feeling of of panic and uncertainty because just thinking like, like 
we've poked our head out of the cave and we looked around and we've talked about different scenarios of what could be, it it made me feel more confident that it was okay to 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 head out of the cave. And it made the team feel better that it's not all panic, doom and gloom. Right. And it was just the simple act. We took we just took an afternoon and and talked through the different scenarios. And it's amazing how much when you when you write down a plan and think about something, then what I found is now your brain isn't just totally circling around on that on that what if panic scenario over and over again because you can you can cut it short. So we already thought about that and we wrote it down. So now you can focus on the action plan again, what we're actually doing, which actually ties back to the original idea of providing such a plan to your customer. Right. Because they too are spinning and circling and dwelling and, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Give them a written plan. So if they start to freak out again, they can look, oh yeah, I'm supposed to be doing milestone one right now. And I know when I get stressed out, I either go dig holes in the in the garage. Sorry, dig holes <laughs> in the garage. In the garden. <laughs> well, the the garage okay. is much less effective. I dig holes yes, in the garden because it's something I can control, or I go clean my closet. It's it's something that I can control by giving people a plan. And this applies both to your customers and to your sales team and to yourself. By having a plan in place, you're able to calm the the panic instincts that we have as humans when big change comes along. And say, we've we thought of that. Here's the plan. Just focus on step number two. Focus on that. Make that happen. When that's done, focus on step number three. By all means, come up every now and again and make sure that the plan is headed in the right direction. But that's what makes humans great, is that we are able to look into the future, even just a little bit, and make a plan, communicate it, and stick to it. And then the, the you kind of you beat the chaos by having right. a plan. So give, yeah. for, for God's sake, give your buyers a plan. Let them know how you're going to help them get through whatever this, whatever their crisis is. You know, your solution, of course, solves that crisis. Give them the plan to to make it happen, and they will thank you for it because they're not going to panic anymore, and they can share it with their colleagues. Like, hey guys, we were panicking and freaking out, but luckily Joe Blow Inc. has this fantastic plan that gets us through the windstorm to the other side. Let's all cling on to that. And now you're the hero with the plan and the lifeboat. Right. And I think to a point you made earlier, it's just, yeah, translates down to you as an individual. It's it's great to hear your your leaders express this, you know, hey, look, here's a plan, here's what we're thinking. But then you need to take it and break it down further as an individual. Mm-hmm. Because I think that the you know, if I look at critical milestones in my own career, they came out of periods of uncertainty and crisis where I had a plan. I stayed the course. I didn't panic, um, or didn't panic a lot. But, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> and and was was patient and saw it through. And I think this is a huge lesson for for sellers, because to your point is is there is so much uncertainty. It's easy to have a lot of anxiety about what's going on. But if you have this vision, if you, it's, you know maybe starts with your leaders, but then you break down what your own vision is about things you can do. Then it becomes, yeah, much more manageable. And I, I've written about this with. Uh, there's a coach. Uh, bicycle, I was on a bicycle, and a coach was helping me climb up this big hill, and was, you know, saying it seemed insurmountable. But he said, you know, control your breathing, calm mm-hmm. your chaos. Control your breathing, calm your chaos. And that's 
you know, that was the insight because, yeah, getting my breathing right. And then this idea about, well, I'm never going to make it to the top of this mountain started dissipating because it seemed like I had more control over it. And this is, this is what we're confronting as sellers. It seems like there's this insurmountable obstacle in front of us, but with a plan, you can control your chaos. And and here's here's the, here's the mind blown, uh, Andy. Your buyer is feeling that same chaos and yes. concern about her own job and her own prospects, her own family, all that stuff. You can you can give this this calm and mantra to her as a as a seller. You can say, hey, you know, I've been there. I've I have seen this in another company. I I know what to do. Follow. Let, I, I, I am the way, follow me. They will follow you because if they're panicked, they're looking for a solution. And now's the perfect time to say, hey man, I, I, I got you. Do, you. do you remember the do you remember the Obama picture? It was a picture of Obama and he's like, I got this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, yep. I love that. Yep, yep. Uh, you, you can you know, replace, replace your picture here. Uh, that is, now's the time for trusted advisors to shine. And I think it's important that part of the trusted advisor thing isn't, hey, you got to buy my thing right now. For God's sake, buy my thing. Because they may not have budget right now. They may genuinely not. But you can still create that position of trusted advisor. Yep. And you can still give them plans. You can still help them. Uh, they, they they will come to you. They and will. That's, Absolutely. That's, yeah. Um, I also, my favorite book in the world is The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And, <laughs> I haven't read uh, that forever, yeah. Oh, it's it's well worth reading at least once every 10 years. Go back and read it. Okay. Uh, but it's written in large, friendly letters on the front. Don't panic. Yep. And was it 42? Is that the... That's right. Answers the life universe and everything. <laughs> That's right. All right. Well, Tom, we've run out of time, but uh, it's been fantastic talking to you again. And so how, if people want to connect with you, how could they do that? Uh, dealpoint.io is a good spot um, uh, also of course I'm, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn look for dealpoint though uh, there are a lot of Tom Williamses so put Tom Williams dealpoint and you'll find uh, not not the best Tom Williams but but one of the top Tom Williamses I'll say there we go alright Tom thank you thank you very much Andy it was a pleasure okay friends that's it for this episode first of all I want to thank you for taking the time to listen I'm so grateful for your support of this show and I want to thank my guest, Tom Williams, for sharing his insights with us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast, Sales Enablement with Andy Paul, on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you could also leave us a rating or a review and let us know how we're doing, well, we'd certainly appreciate that. You can do all that on your phone in less than a minute as soon as this podcast is over. So thanks for your help. And thank you so much again for investing your time with me today. Until next time, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone.